Welcome to the Tales from the Barkside podcast. We're here to talk about all things dark. Just a reminder that if you're not a fan of adult language, this might not be the podcast for you. Thanks for listening. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about the human side of reactivity. First, let's start with what is reactivity. Those of you who have a reactive dog, you already know. For those of you you, who don't, I'm sure at some point you have seen, um, you know, somebody walking down the street with their dog and their dog is pretty much losing their mind, barking, lunging, maybe kind of snarling and air snapping. It can absolutely be scary for you. And I also want you to keep in mind that it's really scary for the person who's attached to that dog. Reactivity is a label that basically kind of describes all of those barky, lungy behaviors. We typically see this for dogs who were on leash. The leash is, while an important safety measure and often required by law, can also create some frustration for dogs. Um, For dogs who are reacting out of a desire to go and see another dog or person, it's really frustrating that they can't get there. Um, And for some other dogs, it is um, a little bit more fear-inducing because we have removed their flight option. They feel that they have nowhere to go to escape whatever is making them, um, you know, react the way they are. So reactivity, again, is a label that just kind of encompasses a lot of these behaviors we see. Again, the barking, the lunging, the charging at the end of the leash, maybe wildly moving back and forth. And so now that we know all about that, what I want to talk today is not really as much about the dog side, but about all of the emotions that the human attached to that dog is going through and how we can help them through that. So if you are an owner of a dog who is reactive, you likely have experienced a whole set of emotions. The first one that comes to mind is embarrassment. Um, You know, you see the looks that those neighbors are giving you as you're walking your dog down the street. You see them scared. you, You may also be scared. Um, Some reactive dogs, we just know that it's a big display and there's no real kind of threat there. And other dogs, we worry, oh my gosh, what if I did drop the leash? What would happen? Maybe your dog has bitten someone or another dog before or come very close. It can be very, very scary for the person who's holding that dog. You may also be angry at your dog sometimes, you know, Um, when you throw in the embarrassment, especially it can, you know, our minds just go there. It's no one's fault. Obviously, we don't want to be angry at our dogs, but it happens. You think, why can't you just be a normal dog? I can't even walk out my door without you losing your mind. It's really, really hard. It's completely emotionally draining. It can lead to depression. It can lead to tons of sadness and depression around it. Um, You know, a lot of times people are thinking about behavioral euthanasia in these cases because they just don't know what to do. They don't feel it's safe and they feel like they're out of options. All of these feelings are completely normal. And the first thing I want to tell you is that you're not alone. There are so many people who also go through this. 
If you are um, a current client of the Barkside, go ahead and pop in our Facebook group and you can see, you know, just throw it out there. Say, I had a really rough day with my dog today. Tell them what's going on. And I guarantee you a bunch of other people are going to pop on and say they've been through the exact same thing. If you are not a current Barkside client, I urge you to go check out Dogs in Need of Space. It's abbreviated as Dinos, D-I-N-O-S. The creator of that group is Jessica Dolce. She has been writing about dogs in need of space and their people for years. I promise you are not the only one feeling this. So first, there's that. There are other people going through this. Having a dog like this can feel really isolating. You may be watching all of your other friends and their dogs doing things like going to the brewery and going to the dog park. And meanwhile, you can't even, you know, you can't even go for a hike in the woods with your dog and your friend's dog. Um, So it can, it can feel really isolating. Most people don't get a dog and picture this reactive behavior in mind. They picture like, oh, I can take him to the farmer's market and I'm going to get so much healthier by walking all the time. We're going to go on long hikes and I'm going to take him to the beach. And it's, you know, those are the pictures we have in our mind when we're getting a dog, not the dog that you leash him up and then you stick your head out the door to make sure that no one's coming by or you wake up at four in the morning so you can go walk him before anyone else is out. Or personally, one of my favorite times to walk reactive dogs is when it's warm but raining out. Um, You know, everyone else is sad about the rain. It cuts out their beach time. And I take reactive dogs to the beach then because I know no one's going to be around and they can enjoy more freedom and they can be more relaxed. Um, But this this is not what we have in mind when we are thinking about getting a dog. So you're not alone. There are other people out there. The next thing I'm going to tell you to do is to take a deep breath. This is one of those things that's super annoying. Um, I, you know, have to refrain from saying the you just need to relax because I know every time someone says that to me, I want to kill them. Um, But we do need to take our step back. We need to take a deep breath. We need to relax and remember that we are feeding off of our dog's emotions and our dog is feeding off of our emotions. So the more we can calm down, take a deep breath, assess what's going on, and then move forward with the next step in our plan, the better off we all are. It's really, really hard to do this. I'm not, it sounds easy. Oh, just take a deep breath. It's so much more than that, and I get that. The problem is when we start getting worked up because we're worried, you know, we've seen this play out before, we're terrified about what could happen, our heart rate starts going up, we get worked up, and our dogs are getting worked up too. And when that starts going, you know, you can't, it's so much harder to think and implement the things that you know how to do to make this situation better. Now, what if you don't know what things to do to make the situation better? We're going to talk about that, too. Um, The first thing I recommend to clients is to take a break. Sorry, that's not the first. It's the second. The first thing is to take a deep breath. The second thing is to take a break. 
this looks different for different people in different situations. So if you, you know, live in the suburbs and you have a nice yard, stop taking your dog for walks. If the neighborhood walks, if they're losing their minds at every single person and bike and skateboard and dog, take a break. Play with them in the yard. Up your enrichment at home. They do not need to get those three 30-minute walks a day that everyone talks about that. That is completely arbitrary advice. Um, you know, if the reason we look at doing those three 30-minute walks a day, like everyone says, is so your dog can get physical exercise. But I want you to think about it a little bit differently. If you were to go for a really great jog, you know, maybe along the beach or in the woods or just, you know, through the neighborhood, wherever you really enjoy being, you can get your mind straight. You know, you can relax. You, I'm not a runner, so I'm making this stuff up. But, um, you know, you, you see all those things about the people who really, they find their center when they're running. They're able to regroup. Um, and maybe it's about being in nature for you, but it is physical exercise and it's also really good mental exercise. Now, I want you to picture that same run or walk, but in, you know, maybe not the greatest neighborhood and you have a car trying to run you down. Is that healthy? No. The stress that you have in your brain is so negatively impactful on one, your brain, but also on your body, that is not good physical exercise. So now think about it in your dog's shoes. Your dog is going through the neighborhood and terrified that every single new yard, there's going to be a dog charging the fence or they're terrified of people. And every single person sees your cute little golden retriever and wants to come up and say hi. And oh, don't worry, because they're dog people. They understand that your dog is scared and it will be okay. That's terrifying for dog. It's not healthy. It's the same thing as you, you know, running because you're terrified of the car chasing you down. It is not healthy. And you have my total permission to stop doing it. Now, if you live in an apartment, you may say, maybe saying, that's all great, but I don't have a yard for my dog to go to the bathroom in. I don't have the room to exercise them. What do I do? I can't do this. You're right. You can't do that part. You can't totally skip walks as much as it probably sounds delightful to you. So what I recommend for people living in apartments or in busy areas is this. The times you have to take your dog out to go to the bathroom, do very quick five minute, you know, outside times. You don't have to go anywhere. You can go to the very nearest patch of grass and just kind of wait there. In the beginning, it may take a little bit to get your dog used to this new pattern of we go out just to go pee and poop and then we come back inside. So you may be finding yourself doing a lot more five minute breaks than you ever did normal let out times, but keep them short and sweet. Come back inside, try to make it as stress-free as possible, um, and we'll look at getting physical and mental exercise in other places. So again, enrichment is going to be key. You're really going to want to up that enrichment level because they're not getting it outside. 
And then as far as getting that outside physical activity, especially if you live in a small apartment, that can be really hard. You can absolutely play games like treat toss up and down the hallway to get some physical activity going. Um, but another option is to put your dog in the car and drive to the nearest, you know, um, the nearest elementary school that has a big yard or um, to an empty trailhead and walk your dog there. And sometimes even just going into another neighborhood can be huge. When you think about all of the emotions and fear that our dogs have built up walking in the same places that are stressful for them over and over again, they're just looking for the next thing that's going to trigger them. So if we can move them somewhere else where there isn't that expectation of all of these triggers popping out, that can be really helpful for our dogs. You'd be surprised, you know, I live um, on one side of a main street. If I were to go to the other side of the main street and walk my dog in that neighborhood, it doesn't have all those same feelings attached to it. And it can often be a lot less stressful. When you're doing this, I would try to pick a neighborhood that has big, wide streets, um, Ideally, one that's either super quiet or has lots of sidewalks. Again, you do want to be going for a quieter neighborhood, um, but just do your best and see how that goes. Another option is to go walk your dog under power lines. I know that sounds crazy, but these are wide open areas, usually maintained by the city. Obviously, if something is blocked off, don't go there. I'm not telling you to break the law. Um, but I know at least around here, there are a lot of areas where there's these huge swaths of open land and no one is there. So they can be a great way to walk your dog if your dog is triggered by everything in a typical neighborhood. Okay, so you got that plan in. You're going to take a break from your regular neighborhood walks. You're going to take a deep breath and you're gonna find some new places to start getting your dog exercise. And now that break currently is, is just that, it's a break. You'll get back to it for the neighborhood stuff, but also maybe you won't. Maybe you'll learn to just find really great places to walk your dog and you'll skip the neighborhood walks. Again, that 30 minutes three times a day is completely arbitrary, but you do need to work on these skills. You need to work on the reactivity and you need to get your dog some physical exercise. Um, so, you know, finding those other places to walk is a great start. Now, what I want you to do is I want you to think about what you and your dog love to do together. And I want you to do more of that. So maybe it is walking on the beach in the rain when no one's around. Do it. You know, maybe it's getting up super early and going to walk your dog at the state park before everyone else is there. Do it. Make that time. Instead of loading up your schedule with these three 30-minute, you know, stressful walks that are detrimental to both you, your dog, and your relationship together, um, think about those things you love. It doesn't even have to be walking. It can be playing tug. It can be, you know, you making puzzles for your dog out of cardboard for them to solve. Um, I'm a big fan of playing flirt pole. It's a great way to get a, out energy in a small space, get their brains really working. If you want a tutorial on that, there's one on my Facebook page at Barkside Training. Um, and uh, personally, my favorite 
flirt pull is from at ultimate toys um but yeah i mean find the things that you guys love to do and do more of those things we want to find ways to decompress it's kind of like if you had a really stressful day at work um and you love to read so you come home and you read for 45 minutes before you go about all the business of making your dinner or, you know, whatever else you have to do at night. Something to kind of take your mind off and relax a little bit. I also want to talk here about how important it is for your relationship with your dog. We, because we're human, um, we're always thinking about how our dog is making us feel. You know, going out on these walks. Again, we talk about anger is a common, um, a common emotion that we have with that. It can sometimes feel like our dog is just doing this to us. But I also want you to stop and think, and this is not to make anyone feel guilty. You're not doing anything wrong. But stop and think about it from the dog's point of view. Sure, they're probably super excited to go on their walk initially. But as they go on that walk, they've probably got to be thinking, why, do, why does she keep putting me in this position? You know, why do we keep going in these places that we know the dog with the electric fence is going to come charging at the end and going to scare us both? Why? Because we are leading them. You know, why? I can't. I mean, if it was a partner who kept bringing you somewhere you hated, let alone somewhere you were really terrified of, you would have some serious negative feelings towards them. Um... Now, I'm certainly not saying your dog doesn't love you. Of course they do. But we can make it better. We can always make it better. And I think we should do that when we can. So, again, think about the things you guys love to do together that are healthy for both of you and do more of those. Build that relationship back up. And we're not going to put our dog into positions where we know they're not going to be set up for success and where they're going to be kind of emotionally compromised. Obviously, there are times we have to do it. And those times we just do it and we get through it. Your, you know, your little pee breaks, you have to do it. If a dog comes up, you know, just get through it the best you can. Life is life. Um, and these stressors are around all the time. But while we're working on building up our skills, which is our next section, I want you to do more of the things you love to do and skip the things that are crazy stressful for you both. Okay, so actually I lied. Our next thing is to learn your dog's body language. Because we are skipping a bunch of these super stressful things and we're doing more of the things we love with our dogs right now, Take note of what their body does when they are happy and relaxed. A great way to do this is to film it. Everyone has a camera phone now. Um, so, you know, give your dog a good puzzle and film them figuring it out. Are they getting frustrated? Or what does their tail do as soon as they open that box? Um, how are they moving when they're sniffing for food on the ground? What about when you're snuggling? How do their eyes look? They're probably big and soft and relaxed. Um, and then, you know, think about how that's different from when you're out on a leash walk and they're losing their minds. Their bodies are tight. Their muscles are tight. 
their tails are probably high and flagging very quickly. Um, you may notice that either leaning forward or leaning back, they may be kind of um, getting really low to the ground and pointing forward and hard staring. You know, their eyes are no longer loose and relaxed. It's a more uh, purposeful kind of look they have in their eyes. What about their ears? Some dogs have the most expressive ears. You can see that slight little flick when they hear the, um, the collar tags of another dog and then they go off. So I want you to really notice what are those kind of micro signals that your dogs do when they move from relaxed to stressed. Um, and start doing that by learning what they look like when they're happy. You know, all of these things you love to do when they're walking in the woods and they're trotting along happy as can be. Take a look at those movements. Take a look at their muscles, their tail, their ears, their eyes, their muzzle. Um, all of that is going to be loose and relaxed. Really pay attention to that. Also, every dog is different. Um, so it may not be uncommon for your dog to do a little tail tucking when they first meet someone new and then relax quickly and be fine. So just take note of that. Some dogs are not as expressive with their ears. Some dogs, you're going to see the first kind of hesitation or fear right in their muzzle in that kind of crinkling around their lips and their nose. Um, so really focus on your dog. And if you need help and direction with this, I um, recommend, I honestly recommend every single person who will ever even look at a dog, get Lily Chin's book, Doggy Language. That's D-O-G-G-I-E language. It's on Amazon. It's like 11 or $12. And it's an illustrated, um, like, it's like the Bible of body language um, for the average person. It is absolutely wonderful. You will not regret this purchase. Every single time I have a client, I give it to a client, they open it up while we're talking and you see their eyes light up. And they're like, oh my God, my dog does this all the time. I had no idea that's what it meant. So go get that book and watch your dog. Videotape your dog and go back and watch it again. Okay. So now the next part that, um, you know, we talked about, but I mentioned earlier and then I skipped ahead was I want you to go back to basics. I want you to go back and just reward eye contact with your dog. Start paying your dog to look at you. You know, when we're paying our dogs to do certain things, it works for them and they're going to do it more. So I'm a big fan of Leslie McDevitt's up and down game to get that eye contact started, but you don't even have to do anything crazy. Get your dog in front of you, give them a few treats to show them that you're working, put those treats behind your back or in your treat bag, and then just wait for them to look up at you in anticipation of the next treat. And as soon as they look at you and you get eye contact, you're gonna mark it with either a yes or your clicker, and you're gonna give them some food. And then you're gonna wait for it to happen again. Um, kind of a slightly more old school advice is to do a watch me command and get your dog to look up at you by holding a, you know, typically a piece of kibble up by your nose. I do not do that. I want my dog to do this on their own and I want them to do it as often as they need to. So what 
in the beginning is happening is that your dog is looking for the more food. They want more food. And they start to realize that the way to get that is to look at you. And then we can add that to other things. When you're playing your tug, you know, and you have the tug back, it's, you know, you're ready for the next round. Wait for your dog to be calm and give you eye contact and then mark it and give the dog the toy again to tug. Um, Show them that the way to get things when they're questioning things, they don't know what to do. The way to solve that is to turn and look at you. Uh, for all the things, you know, it can be, it can provide access to the other side of a door. Um, again, I use it in play all the time. If your dog really wants affection, you'll notice pretty quickly after rewarding a lot of eye contact, anytime they want something, they're going to come up to you and they're just going to stare at you. And I want you to tell them you see that. Either give them what you, what they want, if you can. We can't always do that. And so I at least acknowledge them and I say, oh my gosh, I love you so much. I see you asking nicely, but we just can't do that right now. That's acceptable as well. Just acknowledge that they're asking you nicely. This is honestly the foundation of every single thing I do as a dog trainer. We're not just getting eye contact here and focus. We're building communication. Our dog is learning how to ask us for something, and we are learning to read when they're asking us for something. Over time, and obviously with some additional skills, it's not quite that simple with reactivity. I wish it was. Um, But over time, you can put in some other skills so that your dog, when they see something that is a trigger for them, they're going to look back at you and say, hey, this is too much for me. And you're going to see them looking at you and say, okay, we're just going to chill right here and we're going to play a game while they pass. Or maybe we're going to turn and we're going to go in the opposite direction and get you more space. And that, again, is building more trust with your dog. Your dog is learning to tell you, hey, I can't handle this. I need your help. And you are seeing that and learning, okay, let's do what we got to do to get through the situation. And depending on the situation, it'll look differently. Sometimes you're going to work through it. Sometimes you're going to haul ass out of there and other times you may agree to play a game together to just kind of get through it as they go by. Um, But we got to go back to basics to get there. We have to cut through all of this past learning experience and emotions and, you know, at its heart, reactivity is the idea that our dog is just reacting to the things instead of slowing down and thinking about it. And really we are too, because I mean, I don't know you obviously, but I would bet money that when you see that dog across the street or whatever your dog's trigger is, um, and you see your dog kind of tightening up, the first thing you do is you go and tighten up on that leash. You're reacting. You don't even realize you're doing it. And when you're doing it, you're sending bad signals to your dog. Again, don't beat yourself up. We all do this. It takes a lot of work to stop doing that. Um, This is, again, why getting a really professional trainer who specializes in reactivity is essential. Um, And film yourself if you can. Um, You know, there's nothing like being able to watch how we react, how our dog reacts in real time, and then also turn around and be able to slow it down and see what are those micro signals that we're giving. Maybe we're tightening up. Maybe our body is getting taller or we're starting to hesitate when we move. We're yanking up on that leash. All of those things. 
reactivity is all about flat out reacting to the situation without thinking it through. Um, so we got to go, we all have to go back to those basics and really relearn how we want to act around uh, these triggers. The last thing I'm going to leave you with is I want you to remember your little wins. This is something you're going to see a lot of in both our Barkside group as well as the um, Drugs in Need of Space page and group. Um, you really need to recognize those little things that are huge for your dog and you. You know, the first time you see another dog walk by and your dog notices that dog and you don't choke up on the leash, that is a win. If you manage to distract your dog past a, you know, a little yapping chihuahua, sorry chihuahuas, um, but it's true, um, and your dog doesn't react or looks at them, reacts a little bit, but recovers really quickly, that is a win. Those are all wins. Is it perfect? No. But don't let perfection get in the way of improvement um, and really getting yourself on that on that right track. Take those wins. Don't compare your dog or yourself to anyone else. It's not fair. They are an individual. You are an individual. So look at what the wins are for you. And again, a really important one that people miss is when their dog does react, but is able to recover quickly. They can turn around and focus on you. They stop the barking. Um, that is a win. That is a huge win. That's a big step on the road to figuring this out and working through it. So find those wins and acknowledge them and be proud of it. Be proud of your dog. Reward them for that. It's really hard. It's hard for you and it's hard for them. So that's about it for today. If you need help with reactivity, um, feel free to reach out to me. I am at Barkside Training on all of the things. We're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Go ahead and reach out to us. If you need to find a really skilled trainer on reactivity in your area, I would recommend taking a look at the IAABC's website or the CCPDT. Both of those have trainer um, locators. So you can find someone in your area who is skilled, has been tested on their knowledge, um, and knows what they're doing. Um, or send me a message and I'll help you find someone in your area. Love your dog and do what works for you guys. Thanks for listening.